bless us with that one blessing that we need. I ask again, Lord, that you would hide that crying behind the cross. And that you yourself would stand. There's a voice that cries out in the silence, searching for a heart that will love him, longing for a child that will give him their all and there's a God that walks over the earth He's searching for a heart that is desperate And longing for a child that will give him their all Give it all, he wants it all And he says, love me, love me with your whole heart He wants it all today dark and foggy evening and on the building top stood a lone figure dressed in black his cape flapping in the wind he looked down over his city where criminals were below up to no good Criminals are doing what criminals do, and little did they know that they were being watched by a predator for good. Just as the criminals were finishing up their work, this strong, tall, caped figure casually stepped off the top of the building and began to plummet to the earth. You could hear the sound of his cape flapping, a rustling in the wind. But instead of falling to his death, he reaches inside some secret compartment and pulls out a device, triggers the device, and a grappling hook flies up and over and grabs hold to the building ledge. And our caped crusader, instead of falling, is now swinging, dead silent, deathly silent, dangerously silent toward our criminals. He lets go of the hook and lands on the balls of his feet. The criminals do not hear him. They do not even know that he is there until they turn and there is Batman. The Dark Knight. In all of his horrific vigilante glory. They don't waste time. They rush toward the dark night, but the dark night is faster. He always is. Someone pulls a knife, but the Batman has some sort of anti-knife device. He reaches in and deflects the knife and puts the criminal on the ground. Someone else pulls a gun, but yet again, Batman is ready with some sort of strange, unseen anti-gun device. Deflects the gun and puts the criminal on the ground. The last criminal is there. Batman says, want a piece? He does not. He tries to run, but Batman yet again is ready, reaches into his pouch and pulls something out and lets it fly. You can hear the as it flies through the air and wraps around the bad guy's feet. Oh, pow, on the ground. And Batman is the last one standing. When the police arrive, the only evidence that anyone was there is the three criminals tied on the ground. Batman is bad. I love Batman. When me and my older brother were small, before my, my younger brother was born, he and I used to get the towels, my mom's good towels, out of the linen closet, and we would tie them around our necks. And then we'd have to fight over who got to be Batman, because it was always Bobby, my older brother, because he was bigger. And we would run around the house, dun dun dun, dun Batman. <laughs> then, of course, I grew up. <laughs> and I could, you know, buy my own cape. So when the kids are asleep at night sometimes, you don't know this, yeah, baby. And this is asleep. Sometimes I get up. And I go down into my office, you know, and I got, I got a lunchbox with a Batman symbol on there, you know, and I still think, nah, 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 Batman. I always thought 
Does anyone know this line from an old movie, like 20 years old now? Where does he get those wonderful toys somebody knew? I'd always thought, man, if I had all that cool stuff that Batman had, I'd be bad as Batman. I'd be out there in Las Vegas. You'd be hearing about it on the news. Mysterious dark person subdues criminals yet again. Criminals try to rob the hotel, but before they could get far, someone swooped out the sky and stopped them. That would be me with Batman stuff. <laughs> yeah. But see, here's the thing. According to the Batman story, and I hope you all won't begrudge me my Batman story, According to the Batman story, Batman has studied his weapons. He knows his weapons. When Batman is down there fighting and the bad guy is coming, Batman does not take the half second required to contemplate. He's got a knife. Now where's my... Ah, by then, Batman will be toast. He does not think, he does not wait, he knows because the defenses that he used are not hidden here, but here. It is a part of Batman. It is a part of his existence. He doesn't think, he is familiar with his weapon. Let's look at a text. Like, is Batman in the Bible? No, I haven't. I haven't seen it. I want you to read with me. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. I got some more. That's a lot. Read with me. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Read the next one, Hebrews. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The sword. The weapon the sword. We actually use this in our house to spank booty. And I know my kids are somewhere, I think they're in the mother's room right now, they see me holding this and they're like, oh, what do we do? <laughs> Daddy up front with the booty machine. The sword. The sword is a very unique weapon because Dr. Unlike other weapons, the sword is specifically suited for both offense and defense. I've been practicing that. <laughs> yeah. I got into an argument with one of my mentors in North Carolina as I was preparing for this particular message. Is the sword, the word, is it a weapon of offense or is it a weapon of defense? I argue that it is defensive because when one is attacked, one may pull out the sword and deflect. And we will briefly talk about Jesus in a minute because that's what I felt Jesus did. But my mentor said, no, no, the sword is a weapon of offense. You can chase the devil down and cut him to pieces with that sword. But the truth is, it is both. When the sword was chosen as the analogy to describe the word of God, it was not chosen lightly. It was chosen deliberately because that is how the sword works. The earliest swords can be found made of bronze. The requirements for a sword were very simple when swords first broke out. And I'm imagining that swords did not take a long time to be developed after the fall of man. There was Adam, there was Eve, and soon after that, weapons were made, and one of the first things to be made was the sword. Swords can range in length from three feet to six feet long, and all they need is a handle. The length of the handle varies depending on the preference of the wielder. There is the single-handed sword, 
get my stick. There is a single-handed sword, generally lighter and used for close-up work. Then there is the double-handed sword, so heavy that it cannot be kept in a scabbard, but must be kept at the back and drawn like this, talking about the sword. Now, originally, when swords were developed, the sword had a dull edge, and on the other side, there was the sharp edge, the business side of the sword. So when you were in battle, you always had to be aware of where the sharp edge was. Because when it was time to do one of the only two maneuvers in sword fighting, and that is cutting or thrusting, everything else is a version of cutting or thrusting. And when there was one sharp edge on the sword, you had to know where it was. You didn't want to go cut with the dull side of the sword. That could be disastrous when you were in battle. That's why it was a major advancement in warfare history when some genius, some destructive genius, but some genius developed a thing called the two-edged sword. Now we have a weapon that cuts going, Cuts coming. You don't have to think about it. You just swing and let the weapon do what it do. Word of God. You don't have to think about it. You just got the word in your heart. You pull it out against the enemy. It is two-edged. But the two-edged sword had a danger. And hear me carefully. It was so sharp that men, and in cases women, were cutting themselves in battle. See, when you mess with the sword, it'll cut you too. Sort of show you stuff about yourself you didn't even know. So what they had to do was develop some, some, some clothing, some protection, so that they could safely wield the sword. And then things like the gauntlet came out. And that's like those metal gloves you see people holding. And they would actually create shoes that were thicker on the toe so that people wouldn't accidentally stick themselves with the sword. Because a two-edged sword is extremely effective. The word of God says that it is a two-edged sword that we wield when we wield the word. Very sharp, very quick, universal, very effective, very dangerous. Let's look a little bit at the word. A sword is forged in fire. And when it comes out of the fire, before the wielder can use it, you may have seen this on TV, they will take the sword and they'll hold it out like this. They're looking for a little thing called balance. A sword that is not well balanced can be used. It can be used, but when you have good balance to your sword, Apparently, you can maneuver a lot better. You can do more things. You are more prepared for what comes at you. As we study the word of God, there are our favorite places. There are those areas that we love to read, but we should have balance. I love hanging out in the New Testament. I really, really do. And with the Daniel Revelation project we have going on, I'm just digging Daniel and Revelation, and then sometimes Daniel... And then Revelation. Go on and crack that word open and look down in the beginning. Study your word. Acquire some balance so that you are more capable of defeating the enemy. The sword. It says in John that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word what? It says the word was God. 
That means the word and God are the same thing. So when you pull out the word, you pull out God. The exact same majestic, awesome, cosmic, universal power available to you in the form of the word. When we look at the very beginning, where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, there was God, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, and then God said... God spoke the word. And it is that same word-speaking power that we wield when we pull the word out. God can speak it, and the power can go and lay there for a thousand years until you need it. That's how prophecy works. God can say something and 5,000 years go by and the word wake up at the right time and do its job. I'm talking about the word. So when we wield the word, we are not merely talking sentences. We are literally, literally accessing the very power that God used to create the entire cosmos. The sword is a serious thing, not to be taken lightly, not to be played with, not to be ignored. The sword. Jesus had gone into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Forty days in the wilderness, Jesus was there fasting and praying. And I like to say also the devil getting ready for this showdown. Satan has been waiting for this opportunity, we are told in the spirit of prophecy, ever since the promise was made that Jesus was going to come. That's like 4,000 years Satan is getting ready. Satan craftily designed whatever it was that he was going to deploy upon the Savior. And then he approaches Jesus after 40 days, and Jesus is physically weak. But Jesus is spiritually strong. And Satan comes to him, as we discussed the other night, and hits him where it really, really hurts, because that's how the devil does and attacks Christ's identity by saying, if you be the Son of God. Right after the whole, right after the heavens had opened up and God had said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, Satan comes along and tempts Jesus to doubt God's word and says, if you be the Son of God, command these stones to be turned bread. Tell me who you really are. Who's your daddy? And Jesus the Son of God, Jesus, he who before his incarnation stooped down in the dirt and made man and woman out of the dust of the ground. Jesus, who didn't bat an eye, just spoke the word and the world just came into existence. Jesus, who had this connection with the Father, could have blinked like this and 10,000 angels, hordes of angels would have come from heaven to come to his aid. Jesus, with all of this power at his command, only needed the word and said it is written and he was tempted again and he said it is written and he was tempted again and he said get behind me Satan commanded the devil wouldn't it be nice to be able to tell the devil what to do wouldn't that be nice when you're out there minding your own business and Satan come along bothering you, wouldn't it be nice to just be able to say, get behind me, get hence, for it is written. Jesus pulled out the sword and whipped the devil's tail. That's half of it. Here go the other half. 
Well, I hit something. Amen. Here goes the other half. It's the same sword we got. Batman. If I had all of Batman's weaponry, I would get my tail kicked anyway. Because I don't know the weapon. All of this power is here and is accessible, but you must familiarize yourself with your weapon. Do not go into battle with a weapon that has not been tried and tested. You don't do that kind of thing. But the answer, I'm gonna talk to you for a second, sorry y'all. One time, I had to shoot a wedding and I had just gotten a brand new camera. Right, you know where this is going. I couldn't wait to try that camera out Got a wedding, oh great, I got me a brand new camera. Camera had so many buttons and gadgets, looked like it was made from NASA. And I went there with this camera, left the camera that I knew at home, shot an entire wedding, came home with two pictures. <laughs> Didn't learn my lesson and did it again. You don't go to work with a tool you don't know. You don't go into battle with a weapon that you are unfamiliar with. That is why now, now why you can, now why you're able, you need to familiarize yourself with your sword. Mm -hmm. One of the most famous books ever written says that one should know one's enemy. We have to be careful in this case because you don't want to dwell on the enemy. I have seen, have mercy, I have seen, and maybe at some other time we can talk about it, I have seen the negative results of dwelling on the enemy. So we ain't gonna dwell, we just gonna look right quick. We have our weapon, we have discussed our battlefield, we have discussed what we have to fight with. Let's take a little look at the enemy. Cute, isn't he? Read with me. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. A couple of years ago, and there are several of these stories, but I'm talking about this one right here. Some teenagers went to the zoo. Y'all may remember this. Now, the big cat sanctuary, the big cat arena where they kept the lions. And by the way, let's do some specs. Lion, Felis, Panther, Leo, big cat, averages 250 to 500 pounds. Claws, somewhere between three inches and eight inches long. Lion, capable of running up to 40 to 50 miles per hour. Lion, hunts in packs. Lion, likes to ambush. Lion, almost impossible to see in the zoo. And the big cat arena was separated. Where do I want it? Let's, let's, let's put it here. The bit, no, let's put it over here. The big cat arena with all the cats there, the zoo thought that it would be more natural, it would be a better experience for the people who came to the zoo if they could avoid putting up fences, Pastor. So what they did was they took the cats, put them over here in a big area, and dug a huge, huge trench. Okay? So the trench was like 30 feet deep. And way on the other side of the trench, with a glass, were the people. So you could come and you could have a look at the lions without having to look through a gate. 
So let me have that juice, please. Thank you. And so the tourists came and they were looking at the lions through the glass across the canyon. This natural experience. Sorry, y'all, I have kids and this is how we drink in our house. We used to be, you know, wine glasses and now it's... Excuse me, blood sugar coming down. And the tourists were here looking at the lions, and for years this had been the setup with no problem. One day, three smart aleck teenagers came sauntering into the zoo, where they sat and observed the lions across the canyon through the glass in the lion area. And they thought something about this was funny. They proceeded, and you gotta hear me now. They, they, they didn't do anything terribly drastic. They started laughing at the lions, just laughing. They were going, ha, 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 look at you, ha, ha, ha. And I don't know what it is they said. People didn't even realize that lions had the ability to get offended. But one of them said something about one of them lions, mama. And the lion stood up. Stretched those claws like this. And bolted toward the canyon. You know, I can't even imagine. The lion got to the edge of the canyon and crouched, and you could see the musculature bunching right here, and leapt into the air. I can only imagine what those three teenagers thought at this moment here. As the lion cleared the 30 feet, and cleared the glass wall, and landed among the people. People began to run in terror. One zoologist said he didn't know that it was physically possible, meaning all this time, whenever they wanted to, they could have done that, toying with us, playing with us, until that lion needed to let somebody know what he was messing with. People began to run, but the lion didn't have eyes for people. He had eyes for them. Rip those boys to shreds. We call them the king of the jungle because they have these great manes and they're beautiful, but lions are ferocious animals. You just turn on National Geographic and watch them eat. They don't put their pinky out like this when they eat. They will bite each other for the biggest piece of meat. The devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So I thought that it would be interesting to investigate lions because like the sword, I do not believe that the Bible chooses its metaphors lightly. If the Bible said it's like a roaring lion, then he's like a roaring lion. Let's have a look. And I found some things that you may find interesting. Number one, lions do not always attack the weak and the slow. Somehow we got this idea that the lions go out there and they want to see who's sickly and who's slow. And they say to the other lions, and that's lion for, let's get that one over there. And then they go after that one. But that is not the case. Lions will go after the healthy and the strong. Now, I'm not saying lions do not attack the weak and the slow. I'm saying the strong among us cannot walk around like this right here. I've been in the church this many years. I know my Bible. I got my stuff. And then a new believer come in and we over there praying for, oh, pray for them. We don't want them to leave the church. Oh, pray for them because they're weak and slow. Unlike me, I'm strong. All the time, the devil as a lion walking around in our house. 
Even the very elect, we are told. Don't be fooled. Prepare yourself. Lions eat very well during birth season. So because there is winter, and there is summer, and there is fall, and there is spring, animals have a birth season. People don't have that. We can have babies whenever we want. There are other animals that are like that. But out in the Serengeti, there is a thing called birth season. When it is warm, when the water is, is at its highest, when there is grass to eat, that is the time to have babies. It is at this time that lions eat so well. They're so full, they're laying around on the grass. Oh, I should not have eaten that extra zebra because there's so many youth around and the youth are easy pickings for the lions. Young people, let me talk to you for a second. Some reason we believe that, that Satan will treat us like juveniles. Kind of the way it is when you break the law and you're under the age of 17. We're going to try them as a child. We won't try them as an, as an adult. The devil does not work that way. He will come after the young, and when there is plenty of young, the devil will eat well, unless... Prepare yourself, young people. You are not too young to crack open the word. There was a reason that from the moment you were old enough to go to church, we start putting memory verses in your head. Lions prefer to ambush. The ambush is like a blitz. And it is a very, very well-crafted technique. You don't just go running out there because the prey will get away. It is said that out on the Serengeti, the lions are walking around and the animals see them. There's a lion. Gotcha. There's a lion. Gotcha. But when the lions disappear, there comes this moment when you look around and there are no lions. Ambush. They are down in the grass allowing the prey to get comfortable. Allowing the prey to lean back and cross their legs just a little bit. And just when the prey feels the absolute best, the lions leap out and take one. We cannot afford in these last days to be comfortable. We cannot ever afford to lean back and cross our legs especially when it seems like there's no trouble around, that is the time to know your weapon. Spend that opportunity in the word. Don't just wait till trouble comes along. No, no, no. Spend your time in the word now. Lions will isolate their prey. This is one of the favorite tactics of the devil in the church. There's something about the church, and Lord, I've gone through this, and we're very, very sensitive. We'll go to church and somebody may look at us funny, right? Or somebody may fail to say something, or somebody may take our seat or take our spot. All these things are tactics to make us want to stay home, to make us want to stay in the corner, to isolate us from everybody else. Don't let it happen. There is power in numbers. Word of God says we're two or three. And when you get together,
This one I found the most interesting because people are not the natural prey of lions. Lions do not normally eat people. But there have been instances where lions have gone rogue, they have gone crazy, and all they eat is people. You've heard these stories in Africa. These lions are coming to the village, and sometimes for years, they are dragging away the children, dragging away people in their sleep. And scientists ask themselves, what is it that goes off in a lion's head that makes a lion decide suddenly, I'm going to destroy people? And they found out that in the lion pride, there is a hierarchy. There's the head lion, then there's the lion under that, then there's the lionesses, and then there are all the little lion cubs. Well, because there's a hierarchy and there's always a big lion on top, you can imagine that other lions are always challenging to see who can get the top spot. And it turns out that fallen lions, lions that used to have a position here, and now they do not, are the ones that tend to take out did not the word say, how thou art fallen, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou fallen? You must know your weapon. So now that we have looked at the enemy, and now that I have gone on and on about the sword, Coming, coming to a close really soon. I did a little bit of investigation about how to prepare for a sword fight. How to avoid dying if you are attacked by sword and you have a sword to defend yourself. The number one thing that I found, number one, know your weapon. Know where it is. When someone approaches someone else back in the day with a sword, the person that was going to defend him or herself didn't have to look. He or she knew where the sword was and could pull it out with a rapidity that was frightening. Know your weapon. Young people, when you are in school and they make you learn stuff like the Lord's Prayer, etc., we're not just giving you busy work. We are helping you to know your weapon. People of God, when you are at home and things seem like they're very relaxed, when you get up in the morning, before you go for a jog, which we ought to do and none of us do, before you turn on the TV, before you crack open the paper, take you some time and know your weapon. Because remember, the word is God. And when you know the weapon, you know God. Number two, balance your weapon. As we discussed, it is possible to defend yourself with a weapon that is heavy on one end, but you can do more when you have balanced your weapon. Go through the entire word of God. Know it all. Check something out that you hadn't checked out before. It will make you more dexterous in battle. Balance your weapon. Know your weapon. And the third one, my absolute favorite, always have your weapon ready. You don't leave your weapon at home. You don't find yourself in battle and you reach for it and it is not there. And you may be saying, are you saying we should carry the Bible around everywhere we go? No, that's not what I'm saying. That is why we had that first text. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Now, all of us have varying degrees of memory. Some of us can quote scriptures all over the place. Others of us need a little reminder, but that's okay. Because sometimes in the thick of things, when things are moving quickly, you ain't got time to quote it anyway. But it's here. 
and you can pull it out because it's ready. You are prepared for battle. And when the devil comes at you, you can say, even if it's only in your heart, you can say, get behind me for it is written. So therefore, when the devil comes at you, those of us who are struggling with substance abuse, when he comes at you, after you've been fighting and trying your best to get off of that stuff, and he comes at you, and he tempts you to put something in your mouth or shoot something in your veins, you can say, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, and you are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in body and spirit. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thy word have I hid in my heart, and I'm not going to sin against God. Youth, when Satan comes at you and you're sitting outside the club and all your friends are in the club and they're trying to get you to forget your upbringing and they're trying to get you to forget where you come from, you can say, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, remember now thy creator, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when I shall say, I have no pleasure in them. Thy word have I hid in my heart, and I'm not going to sin against God. For the men in here, when Satan comes along and you smell the sweet perfume of a woman that is not your wife, and she goes by and you get a glance of the backside and it pleases you, you can say, no, 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 devil. I'm not going to sin for it is written. Drink waters from thy own cistern and running waters out of thy own well and let your wife's breast, yeah, I said breast, let your wife's breast satisfy thee at all times and be ravished by her love. Thy word have I hid in my heart, and I'm not going to sin against God. When Satan comes and he points to the things in your past and he says, look at how dirty you've been. Look at how bad you've been. Look at how filthy you've been. You do not deserve grace. You do not deserve the cross. You do not deserve to be saved. You can say, get thee behind me, Satan. Get on back there, for it is written, by grace are you saved anyway. I couldn't have been good enough anyhow. Not of myself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. Thy word have I hid in my heart and I'm not going to sin against God. And to the people in here who've been sick, the people in here who've been suffering, the people in here who are burdened with physical ailments, Satan is whispering in your ear, it is not of God that you feel good. It is God's intention that you're always be in pain. God doesn't want you to be well, but get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written that they that wait upon the Lord are going to renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not faint. Thy word have I hid in my heart, and I'm not going to doubt them, and I'm not even going to pout about them. I refuse to sin against God. Take your sword in hand and be ready. For the devil cannot defend himself against the word. ago I was flying into Nashville Tennessee but you know I had the cheapo flight so we had a layover in El Paso Texas eight hours I left Las Vegas around six in the morning and that big bird took into the air And it flew over some slightly cloudy skies. And in truth, the plane was not really full of people, Brother Jason. It was sparsely populated, which made it a comfortable flight. And isn't it always this way? 
all this room, I'm sitting there, and this lady comes in and sits right beside me. And I don't want to say anything. This is a free country and all that. But, you know, in my body language, you know, I'm like, But it was cool. I had my earphones and I was listening to me some gospel music. It was several hours and because I had the earphones in, I didn't hear the captain say, we are now beginning our final approach into El Paso, Texas. Please turn off all of your electronic devices, return to your seats and observe the buckle your seatbelt sign the flight attendants will be coming around to pick up any trash that you may have. Thank you so much for flying cheapo air. And we hope you have a nice day. <clears throat> so the lady beside me nudged me. Yes, ma'am, she said. And she had an accent. She said, uh, we are landing. I said, oh, thank you. So I took the, the earbuds out of my ears, I rolled them up, put it in my pocket, and the flight attendants came through and they were collecting trash. And when they finished, they went all to the front. Just two flight attendants, I remember, and they sat down. And we were sitting there, descending into El Paso, when suddenly, without warning, turbulence hit. That's okay. Anyone who flies knows that turbulence is just part of the business. But the turbulence got worse and worse. I knew what was happening. The overhead bins had come up. The luggage was flying everywhere. We were not high enough for the little mass thing to come down. And nobody said a word. No time. The plane began to do something that I had never experienced. I want you to imagine sitting in the cabin of an airplane and the nose is up there and you have the sensation that the back of the plane is going around the nose like this. I looked out the window and I could see the city of El Paso and I could see the airport that we were heading toward and my heart sank as I felt the captain pull the plane away from the city. And I knew that whatever was about to happen, he didn't want it to happen over all those people. I thought I'd be tough. I thought that I would be strong, Pastor. In all of my imaginings, in, in, in all of my fantasies about my last hour, I'm always heroic. Let come what may. I will face death like a man, but let me tell you, fear gripped me so bad, I literally thought I was having a heart attack. Pain right here. I couldn't breathe. I fumbled with my stuff and ignored the instructions and pulled out my phone and I called my wife. No signal. I tried again. No signal. By and by I put the phone down and at this point the plane was leaning like this and I looked out the window and I will never forget the sight of the shadow of the airplane on the ground. And we were so close, you could see the shadow of that big bird going over the weeds and the bushes and the shrubbery. I said, Lord, have mercy. I've got to get a hold of myself or I'm going to have a heart attack. I took a few deep breaths and it just wouldn't get better. The plane went this way. The plane went that way. Passengers were screaming. The flight attendants were screaming. And I knew I was going to die. I remember my wife asking me afterwards, 
and what did you think? Said, I thought Anissa. That's what I thought. Really wish I could have got that phone call through. And then I heard it. Right here. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we By this time, it was almost pandemonium in the plane. I didn't even think anything of what it was I was hearing. All I was aware of was the pounding of my heart. I thought I was going to die. The fear was pain. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us, Lord. Deliver us, Lord. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and thine is the power, and thine is all glory forever. Amen. And don't you know, maybe the plane was going to straighten up anyway. Maybe the captain got control, but I believe that the word came out of that lady's mouth and entered into the machinery and the mechanics of that plane, and it unbroke the broke, and it fixed the unfixed, and the plane settled out like this, and we went down to the ground on a cushion of the word. Have your weapon ready. I should have been a better man that day. Have your weapon ready. She was ready because it was quick. It had never fully left her mind. She had a prayer on her lips all the time. She had a prayer on her lips all day long. And when the time came, it just came out. That is how we shall defeat the devil, for the word itself is God. When he comes at you, I mean, for those of us who are struggling, I'm serious. I talked to the pastor about compiling some texts that we can release on Sabbath. You just say it out loud. Just say it. Say it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Just keep saying it and see how it is that your behavior changes. Say it. Keep it on your lips. There is power in the word. I don't know what happens, but somehow when we verbalize the word, the power is activated and stuff goes down. Yes. Amen. 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 Everyone, please stand to your feet. I never close without giving an opportunity to somebody Anybody, the Spirit has been speaking to you. You want to rededicate your life. This has been the week of reclamation. You want to come back to Jesus. You want to pick up your sword and start anew. If that is you, slip on out your seat. Come on down here and stand with me. Oh, I'm down here first because I need it. Yes. If that is you, come on down here and stand with me. Anyone. Anyone. Amen. Anyone. I never close without giving an opportunity. Praise the Lord, sister. 
you want to come back to Jesus, tomorrow is not promised. But today we have this opportunity. Hey, sister. Amen. Come on down and rededicate. If you've got to rededicate every day, that's okay. Come on down here. Is there anybody else? Amen, sister. Anyone? thinking about it don't think about it just move if you're thinking about it that's God talking to you come on rededicate your life and okay and then as usual the last two appeals given at the same time if there is anyone here that never has maybe you have and you want to do it again go down in the watery grave of baptism anyone wants to be baptized or rebaptized, just slip your hand in the air Bible workers will come and minister to you Jesus is talking to you Jesus is speaking. Listen to the master. Anyone? Anyone at all? Amen. Pastor. Praise the Lord. 